were to walk out the doors after this service and get hit by a logging truck on Central Avenue, do you know where you would spend eternity? <laughs> Have you ever heard that before? Or something close to it? Mack truck, truck, it's always a truck. Watch out for truck drivers, that's all I know. According to some evangelists and some pastors out there, you got to watch out for the truck drivers because those are the ones that are always going to hit you and kill you. And it's going to be who knows what's going to happen if you're going to heaven or hell. There's a reason I asked that question because um, I've heard that question before. You know, you've heard those, if the earth were to end today with nuclear explosions, do you know where you would spend eternity? We hear these kind of questions and, and uh, I, I've heard these. When I was nine or ten years old, my mom went through, thank goodness, a very short phase of watching televangelists. Um, who were, it seemed to be they were much more about the tele than they were about the evangelism, but anyway. And she was watching these people and reading these books who were just all about, all about the end days. And they tied in the t current political uh, things that were happening. And at that time, when I was that age, that's when uh, we were pretty sure that the Russians, or excuse me, the Soviets, were going to nuke us any day. And I lived about 40 miles from an Air Force base in Oklahoma City. And so the idea, you know, we we're always told, man, they're going to hit that place first and you're going to fry, baby. It's just, you're going to be toast in our town. And so I have this kind of fear. We would hear this kind of stuff. And, um, and so they would tie in the book of Revelation with, with a lot of this stuff. Now listen, Revelation is an incredible book of Scripture, and I am not discounting any way. But if you look through history, I'm talking history, long amounts of time, people have come through season after season where they're trying to tie in the current political, what's happening with Revelation right then, and saying that any moment now it's going to happen. Now this is what my mom was listening to, and this is what she was, she was hanging on to. And what your parents watch, and what they listen to, and the books they read that are sitting around on the coffee table, you soak that in, especially when you're a 9 or 10 year old impressionable kid. So here I am thinking, now I'm about to tell you some crazy logic that Shannon's, I mean I'm weird anyway, but Shannon, 9, nine or 10 year old crazy logic I had going on in my head. I'm about to tell you what was happening here. Um, so I've been soaking in what my mom was watching, and what and what she would be uh, reading and stuff. And I was petrified of the world ceasing to exist. I mean, like, I thought about that a lot. And, um, and, and I would hear this. Um, and, and at one point, I remember hearing, I don't remember who, but I saw it on TV. And they, they, they were taking a, a, a portion of Scripture, and, and the pastor said, you will never know the day when God's going to return. So you better be ready. We've heard something similar to this, right? Um, which is true. But in my, minor, my nine or ten year old brain, I was taking that comment, which is true, and what my mom had been reading and watching by some people who, I'm pretty sure they're not, they're not in the television evangelism business anymore. Um, and, uh, and, and, and I don't think they're selling books anymore either. But I was taking all this information that was going on, and in my mind, I was thinking... Any minute now, the world's going to blow up. And so, here, here we go. Here, here's my crazy logic. I thought that since the pastor said that we'll never know when God's going to return and the world's going to end, here's what I would do. This is insane. I would say every day, today is the day the world's going to end. 
Because, I'm telling you, it's crazy. This is the logic. I promise I'm going to get to a point in a minute. Because I believed that if we didn't know when the world was going to end, if I said every day, today's the day the world's going to end, then God wouldn't make the world end that day because I was saying that it would. And since we'll never know, then it wouldn't happen. Are you with me? Is this, I told you it's crazy logic, okay? Now, mind you, there was nothing going on in my spirit about who Jesus was, and I needed to be in a relationship with him. I was totally consumed with the world ceasing to exist, and it scared me. The idea of what I knew to be going on to stop was very scary for me. And this is kind of logic I had. And so, as well-intentioned as those kind of questions of the truck smacking into you in the street later in the day, and do you know? And as well-intentioned as maybe as some like to sensationalize um, the, the, the political spectrum and the end days and tie it in however loosely as possible to the book of Revelation as it's done sometimes, wherever the intentions are that are good in that, I think there's a better question to ask. I think there's a better question to pose to, to ourselves. I think there's a better question than when we have the opportunity and conversation to people. I think there's a better way for us to talk about the opportunity to be in relationship with God that doesn't involve a truck or a bomb. Okay, and here's where I think maybe the better question is. Instead of the sarcastic tone I gave earlier, asking if you'd get hit, is this, and the question starts asking ourselves before we can ask other people. See, you notice that if you get hit by a truck, see, it's, I'm not talking about me, but I start with the question with me, and it's this. Am I currently living in a right relationship with God? Am I currently living in a right relationship with God? Because you know what it kind of does immediately is it kind of it kind of sets aside because there's a lot of folks, maybe even some of you, who you can pinpoint a day and a time when maybe you walked down an aisle or you raised a hand and it was very real and it was very genuine and you know it. You could have been a child, you could have been a teenager, a young adult, an adult, and you 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 realized it finally it all clicked in your brain and your heart and your spirit that God's word was alive and real. And that Jesus Christ was a real person who really died for your sins and really rose again. And you realized it and you said, yes, yes. There's a lot of people that had that experience and they said, yes. But then nothing really has happened since then. Maybe you know people that this, they had this experience. They had a one-time mental affirmation of, yes, I believe that. And then nothing after that. So I think it's very important that you hear the question again. Am I currently living in a right relationship with God. Because I think, I know for me, I can recall the glory days in my life. I can, I can tell my spiritual journey and I can give you the highlights, but if the highlights keep getting further and further in the past, that starts to call that word currently into question, doesn't it? So that's the question I think it's better to ask. And in this series called Red, we're looking at the words of Jesus and not just... Um, any words that he said, everything he said was really good, but we're looking specifically at the words he said while hanging on the cross. And I want us to share this, pass, I want to share this with you out of Luke 23. And um, 
And I want you to hear these words today. In light of this idea, of this question I just offered to you, am I currently living in a right relationship with God? And think about it with this. Beginning in verse 32. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him, Jesus. When they came to a place called the Skull, they nailed him to the cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. And we'll skip down to verse 39. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested. Don't you fear God? Even, even when you have, you've been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man has done, hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus... Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. And those words are in red. So how do we get to a place, how can we move to a place where we can, we can say with, with good certainty, I am living in a right relationship with God. How can we get to that place? And, and I think there's some questions that we should ask ourselves. And these are questions, and, and I'm going to say this to make this point. These are questions we have to answer for ourselves. And then when the opportunity arises, we might be able to ask these questions of others. But I think for us just to go out and just ask these questions of other people and not have, have answered them ourselves is... Um, well, there's a whole lot of nastiness tied up in that, some hypocrisy and, and some, some pride and things. So we need to ask, answer these for ourselves first. And so I want to offer a few questions to ask today. And the first one is this. If we want to be able to answer, am I living in a right relationship with God? Or if we want to be able to say, I am currently living in a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ, the first question we should ask ourselves is this. Do I see my need? Do I see my need for a Savior? Do I see my need for a Messiah? Because that's a legitimate question for you to ask is, I mean, do you see your need? Do you see your need? Do, do we acknowledge this need for forgiveness? We talked about this last week. We talked a lot about forgiving others, but do we acknowledge the need for forgiveness in our lives? Do we acknowledge the need of a Savior in our life? Because look at this passage we just read. There's two criminals, and they've been watching the same thing. They've been watching Jesus be mocked. They've been watching him be beaten. They've heard what people have said. They have been witnesses to this too. And one saw his need, and the other didn't. One recognized the need, and the other didn't. I mean, there's a, there's a repentant thief, a criminal, and there's, a, there's an arrogant criminal, one on either side of Jesus. And I wonder sometimes which one I am. The repentant one or the arrogant one. Because the repentant one said to the arrogant one, if you remember in verse 41, we're guilty, we deserve this. We've done crimes and we have been found guilty for them and now we're up here. We deserve this. And he said to, to the arrogant, he said, this man has done nothing wrong. He realized who Jesus was and realized that he shouldn't have been up there. And yet he was. He recognized this. Do we see our need? Because 
You know, I think the truth of the matter is that a, as a lot of people, when you really kind of get down to it and really try to, to answer this, I think a lot of people would say, I don't know if I really see a need for Jesus. I mean, I don't know if I, if I, I haven't really done that much wrong. I, I've never killed anybody. You know, I've, I'm, I'm not that bad. I recycle. I eat organic. I, I take the shopping cart and put it back in that little cage in the parking lot. I think, I think God's pretty pleased with me, actually. And I think that might be where a lot of people are. When you really start to, to get in there, that might be where they kind of go, I don't, do I really need forgiveness? I mean, do I really need Jesus? I mean, a lot of people just don't see their need. You know, there's, there's two, there's a, there's a repentant criminal and an arrogant criminal, and, and, and both are guilty. Just like we are without Christ. And, and, and one saw the need and one didn't. So a good question to start with is, do you see your need? Do you really see your need? Because we need him daily. It's not, it shouldn't just be a one-time event. That one time moment daily. In verse 40 and 41, here's the second question. So, do you see your need? And the next one is this, very important. Who do you say Jesus, who do you say Jesus is? Who, who do you say Jesus is? Who, how are you living out the identity of Jesus? In Luke 40, 41, in verses 40 and 41 of Luke 23, the repentant criminal said, don't you fear God? This man has done nothing wrong. He, he is claiming the innocence. He realizes that this is the Messiah, the sinless one, the one who's, who's, who is up there not because of his wrongdoing, but because of ours. He recognized this. I mean, he, he saw this. Who do you say Jesus is? You know, We've heard these questions before. Was he just a, a really, um, just such a polarizing historical figure that we still talk about him today? You know, was he just a prophet? Was he just a teacher, you know? I mean, who, who do we say he was? You know, did, did he really do these miracles that we read about? You know, or was he the sinless son of God, the, the lamb of God who's come to take away the sins of the world? Do we believe this? Do, do we recognize this? This is a very important question for us to ask and to, and to let it settle in on us. Who do I really say he is? You know, I think about our confirmands today, our, our, our students. Because I would say up to this point, and this, has been, and this has been mentioned to them several times, is this isn't your just your, you're not declaring just your mom and daddy's faith anymore. This isn't granny's Christianity that you're talking about today. They have walked through a process where they're going to stand before the church today and they're going to say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I recognize who he is and I understand what he's done for me. And so I am presenting myself to the church. I am making this declaration. I am confirming my faith. Who do we say Jesus is? Who, who do we say Jesus is? It's not somebody else's um, definition of Jesus. Who do we say he is? Jesus asked a really important question in, in Matthew chapter 16 of Peter. And of all the conversations Jesus had with his disciples, I tend to, uh, I tend to put myself in Peter's place a lot. 
But Jesus asked Peter, who do you say that I am? They had kind of a long conversation about what do others say and all this. But he, Jesus finally kind of focused in. He looked at Peter. I mean, can you imagine the eyes of Jesus locking with yours? Who do you say that I am? And Peter responded, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. I mean, Jesus was able to answer this. Who do you say that he is? Because if, if, you, if you say he, who he is and you believe it to be true, it's going to start to be evident in your life. So we've asked two questions so far. Do you see your need for Jesus? And then if you see your need for him, it'd be good to know who you really say he is. Do you see your need for Jesus and who do you say he is? And here's the third question that we need to answer. So that we can, we can be able to say, I am, I am living in a right relationship with God. Because if any of these are, are in the, they're not claiming who God is, they're not claiming who Jesus is, and we're not recognizing our need for it, then, then it, you, pretty, you can start to rule yourself out. And that's, we don't want to do that. We want to answer these in the affirmative. So here's the third question, and it's to me the very most important. Have you experienced his grace? Have you experienced the grace of God in your life through Jesus Christ? You know, that's one of the things, and maybe it's a personality deal. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a doctrinal deal. But I don't hear a lot of grace when I hear about the Mack trucks. You know? To me, the grace of God would be, I don't know, really good air brakes that would just come into play and stop that truck, you know? But you don't hear that kind of question a lot. Because you, know, you don't hear the question of, if a, if a truck were to narrowly miss you. <laughs> but I love the grace of God. The reality is, is that we are people with, with limited time. And some of us, our limits are greater than others. The reality is, is that, and as much as that question might make you go, ugh, the reality is, is that, that, that life is not promise to us but I love the fact that grace is and so in whatever life we have we have the opportunity to experience the grace of God have you experienced his grace the same grace that the repentant criminal experienced because when he cried out Jesus remember me when you enter your kingdom he, he didn't say anything like, hey, Jesus, is there any chance maybe, you know, me, you, you know, anything? Can you do anything? Because the, the arrogant criminal was like, well, why don't you save us? Save yourself and save us too. But this, this repentant criminal said, can, will you remember me? Will you remember me today? And the response that Jesus gave to him is filled with grace because there was nothing the criminal could do. There was no act, there was no testimony, there was, no, um, there was nothing he could go and post on Facebook later about his experience with Jesus. There's nothing he could write a blog about. There was not going to be a documentary about him. There was nothing he could do. He couldn't tithe. There was nothing this man could do except recognize his need and recognize that his needs could be met because of who Jesus was. 
I mean, in those moments, this repentant criminal was basically able to say, I have a need, and Jesus can meet that need because he is the son of God. And because of that, the grace of God through Jesus Christ was poured out on this man. There's, there was absolutely nothing he could have done. And you know what? There's the only difference between that criminal, the repentant criminal, the only difference between him and, and you and, and me is that, is that we don't know our, the expiration date. We don't know hours. This man had, what, hours, maybe minutes? And he knew it? But the, that's the only difference. That's the only difference is that we are not currently hanging on a cross. That grace is available to us. That grace is available. We have the immense privilege of, of being able to, to uh, have the forgiveness that can only come through Jesus Christ. This great privilege. These three questions. Do you see your need? Who do you say that Jesus is because of that need? And have you experienced the grace? Because that's where we walk in. That's what we live in. That's what we rely on. Because the, the, when you really get down to it, the, the kind of the, the difficult, the hard truth is this, that we are either much more like the arrogant criminal or much more like the repentant one. One saw his need, one recognized who Jesus was, and therefore he received that grace. And the other didn't. And they both saw and experienced the same things. So I think for you and I to be able to, to, to answer the question, am I currently living in a right relationship with God? If we can answer those other three questions... We can look in a mirror, we can look in the eyes of anybody else, and we can say, yes, I am. Yes, I am. Because that grace of God is what carries us day by day by day. I love how, if you remember, if you just think here, both thieves, both of them, both of these criminals wanted to be saved. Both of them. I mean, if you would have offered the opportunity for them to come down from the cross, they would have taken it. They both didn't want to experience what they experienced. They both wanted to, be, to come down, but one mocked him and said, oh, you, can, you saved others. Why don't you save yourself and why don't you bring us with you too? Save us too. But the other one said, would you just remember me? And the response, the graceful response of Jesus was today, you will be with me in paradise. Let's pray together. Lord, the um, reality of where we find ourselves in relationship with you, Lord, is, is that it is wrapped in, covered by, smothered, diced. I don't know, however you want to talk about it, Lord. It is absolutely covered by your grace. That we can claim a moment and a time. We can claim a place. We can, <coughs> we can claim a... A, uh, an affirmation that we made. We can put a date in our book. Lord, but the reality is is that we need to walk daily in the grace that is given to us through Jesus Christ. The grace that allows us to, to admit that we need you. 
and that our dependence is upon you. The grace to realize that there is nothing we could do to earn what you offer to us, and yet you give it to us anyway. Lord, we need this grace. We need the reality of this grace. To recognize that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is the Savior of the world. That He did, he did die for us. And we need it desperately. Father, thank you for the promises. Thank you for what you set in motion on that day, on that cross. But most importantly, Lord, we thank you for what happened three days later. We thank you for a resurrected life. Father, it is my desire that, that um, nobody here today start to question um, and to, to doubt who they are in you. But, but better, Lord, that they are reaffirming who you are in them. Because, Father, we can doubt ourselves. We can, we can um, recognize where we have fallen short so many times or we have not depended on you when we have been the arrogant criminal. We can recognize so many ways in which we have failed. So, Lord, instead of us doubting ourselves, Father, what I desire for myself, what I desire for all of us here, is that instead of us doubting us, that instead we, we, uh, we reaffirm who you are in us. We need that so that we can live in right relationship with you. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray these things.